Creating Grass listeners, just a note for today. We got two busy working moms recording on this podcast, one in a vehicle waiting for her son to finish with a soccer match. So our quality is not what we would love it to be, but we hope it's not too distracting. Thanks so much for being here. Let's get started. Hey there, this is Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. Today, we're so excited to have Olympian Valerie Marcoux Pavlas. She was a pairs figure skater from Canada. Here is Kelly's interview with Valerie. I am really, really excited. You know, right now is a time of Olympics and I feel like everything, especially this week, I think with what just happened with Simone, we've, we've all been talking about, about the Olympics um, in the evening or at a cookout um, or around the water cooler at work. And I have known of Val for some time. Um, our, my boyfriend, her husband are really great friends from the hockey world. And so I got the chance to see Val just recently and she was talking about and sharing just a little bit of reflection of the fact that she um, is someone that actually got to go to the Olympics. And as a partner figure skater, Val, tell me if I say that correctly. And I'm not even going to attempt to say your full name because I even, you know, in doing the (laughs) research of Google searches, I was like, I'm not even going to attempt to say this. So Val, tell us a little bit about um, you know, first of all, your name, where you're from, and how you first got involved in figure skating. The whole, the, just start off with a little personal information about you. Yeah, sounds good. So, yeah, my name is Valerie, which used to be Valerie in, um, in French. I'm French Canadian. So, Valerie Marcou Pavlis. So, that's why she said it's a little hard to say. <laughs> um, so, I grew up in Gatineau, Quebec, which, if anyone knows anything about um, Canada, it's it's right by Ottawa. You just kind of cross the river and there's the Quebec province and the city is called Gatineau. So that's where I grew up. Parents put me in figure skating. <laughs> I was three years old and they put me in a, in a group class just because they had a pair of skate that was fitting me and it was super cheap and my sister was skating anyway already. So they just thought I was doing it to be like my sister for the first few years. Start figure skating very young age. Um, when I was about 10 years old, they saw some potential in me. So my coach at the time told my parents, no, she, she really loves it. She's great. You guys should get her a better coach and drive further. So I start skating in Ottawa at the age of 10. I I could say yes and no, but I didn't speak any English and my coach was English. So that's kind of how I started learning English and speaking English a little bit more. So I did single skating for a very long time. When I was 15, I was second in Canada. When I was 17, I was fifth in Canada. But my dream was always to be a pair skater when the guy lifts you, throws you in the air. That was always what I wanted to do. When I was 19 years old, I packed my bag and said, hey, I'm chasing my dream. So I moved to Montreal at a pair skating academy. So there was a lot of pair skater and the coach. So I didn't have a partner for like almost a year. And then the coach gave me a chance. So I... 
my story is very different because usually they're younger, but I start pair skating at 20 years old. Wow. So I love that. So you started off, Mm -hmm. you know, skating individually. Do you feel like it was a a lot of natural ability or do you feel like it was the combination of drive and a natural ability? And I can't even imagine, you know, I am someone, Carrie and I both grew up in the small town of North Ohio and Carrie obviously took off and went to California, but like leaving home learning English, all the things at one time, was skating just always such a driver for you that you wanted to accomplish so many things that you could easily overcome all of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you have to have some kind of talent, but it was definitely the hard drive that I never complained. You know, I would give me some, I would always do more, like I always wanted to be there. Yeah, I work really hard. Like, Maybe more like as I get older, but I always, you know, was driven by competition. I always like to the attention. I like to be the best. So I always trying to get better. So absolutely, it was when of that that I was always like driven by it. I think there's so many dance elements. Did you take dance growing up or was that a part of your training in general? I was probably 10 years old when I started having to do ballet class. Uh, so I did that until like three weeks before I retire. I told my coach, I'm not going to ballet. Like I'm not getting better. I'm quitting in three weeks. I'm done. So <laughs> yeah, so I always had to do ballet. Ballet was never my cup of tea. Um, it's, I, yeah, I was the... The girl who probably got kicked out of ballet because I made everyone laugh. Like, so ballet was definitely, I I wish I would have worked harder (laughs) at it, but it was not for me. So as I got like into pair, we also did ballroom dance from like, we had like personal training, like a teacher that would come in and just work on her for unison and like kind of move together more. So we work with some people like that. We also worked with the Cirque du Soleil coaches because I trained in Montreal, like at the end of my career and. My coach like would bring some Cirque du Soleil to try like to give us some different aspect of lifts or crazy stuff that we could try on the ice. So that was fun too. That's so amazing. When you partner, did you always partner with the same person or is there kind of like a groove and a jive that you like started with someone, but then, because I would think especially finding a partner that you end up going to the Olympics with, that that takes a lot to find someone that you completely trust on the ice. I feel like I'm a scaredy cat. I was never the girl that you could lift anyway, let's be real. But I'm a scaredy cat on the ground. I can't imagine being lifted, tossed, doing all of those things on ice. I think there has to be a huge trust factor there. Absolutely. And I'm also super fearless, especially when I was younger. So yeah, for me, it was never, I don't know. I, I was also super lucky. My first partner, Bruno Marquette, was probably the best lifter in the world. Like he was so strong that he never would drop me. Even if I didn't know what I was doing, he made it like he got a way to do it all the time. So I was very lucky that I started with a guy who had lots of experience, which I did not have any experience. Like I said, it's very rare to start pair skating at 20 years old. So I skated with Bruno for two years. We were alternate in the 2002 Olympic Games. We missed the Olympic by one judge. So basically, when like five judges vote for the other team and four for us. So that that was very devastating. It was sad. So that was like 2002, but I was already dating a boy named Craig Bunton. And then 
when Bruno and I kind of like didn't skate together, my coach put me with his nephew and that didn't work really well. So we went to our coach and say, hey, we're already dating. We'd like to skate together. So that's how I started skating with Craig. And then we were the first year together. We were fourth in Canada. Then we ended up winning three years in a row. We were first in Canada and our last year together, we were second. But yeah, so we we were together. We dated for almost seven years. We broke up at the year after the Olympics, after World Championship. I think by then we were definitely always were more friend. We're still friend. We had a lot in common, and it was just kind of you know, I just was mutual that we just kind of didn't feel like we should be together. We were not in love. We were just more friends and stuff and respect. We have big respect for each other and we have the same goals. So it was great for all that to share that with him. But, you know, eventually <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that that it's how it came to be that you found a partner in that way, you know, that you had a partner that was really strong. You guys were doing amazing things together. But when that fell away, it was that you two knew that you wanted to try it together. And I wonder if that's partially how you guys did so well because you had that trust factor and you wanted it so bad together. Absolutely. We would do anything that coaches told us. We were both driven that way. So that's why it was easy. There was never one of us wanted more than the other or like you know disrespecting each other so it it was very mutual so that's totally right for sure that we had good relationship and a good partnership because it's not easy every day (laughs) and I also think your whole entire life is that like your days were consumed by training dancing partnering and so it kind of works out that you're with your person because other other than that like how do you even have any free time or the ability to have any social life yeah for sure we really didn't do anything you know like you said but the only bad thing is then you brought we live together so then if something went bad at the rink we would bring it home so that was not always the best eater we were almost too much together all the time that it's probably not for the best but you know it is it was what it was but for sure we we didn't have free time. We would go to bed super early or because we were at the rink like at seven every day. So it was kind of that we would go see. We we used to go watch a lot of movie and do kind of that was kind of our social. Like we didn't do the normal stuff that 20 years old do, you know, but it was it was worth it. Being around Jeff and then a lot of other hockey players, a lot of them are Canadian. And I feel like there is this special you love your country and think like so much like I just feel like if you're a Canadian you are a Canadian and like you want people to know and you feel so strongly about it was it hard for you to leave Canada and do you how does it feel was it more important that you number one in Canada that many years in a row or was going to the Olympics the height of you know your career I feel like winning number, like you said, being national champion of Canada for three years is definitely a big proud thing that, you know, forever I'm proud of. And it was like, wow, you're the best in the country. Like, it's amazing. But talking about the Olympic, that's like a whole different like goal, a whole different world that it's I am as proud. But my Olympic Games as a skater, as a competitor was not as successful as I wish so it was more sad for that but forever I could say I'm an Olympian which is pretty amazing too 
but yeah, I think you're right. I think I am definitely maybe almost more proud that I'm Canadian. I'm like national champion, but people think it's more cool that I'm an Olympian. So if that makes any sense, I I think I relate to what you said that. Yes, when you're the best in the country and you're proud of your country and, you know, at the Olympic game, when you wear your country, like you walk into it and it's Canadian, like it's the way it was amazing for sure. So, I mean, we just um, watched what happened with Simone Biles on, you know, kind of pulling back and we know like I mean we don't know I don't know I don't want to pretend to know but the physical mental like all of it you have to be so strong in all ways can you like share in any way like what the mental pressure is like and then you know what you thought about what happened this week with her I know you mentioned that you had like sports psychologists um, but did you always feel like that huge pressure, even when you were, you know, in the world championship? For sure. I want to say that national championship was always the biggest pressure in a way, because you want to qualify for the Olympics. You want to go to world championship. And in my career, the highest I was in the world was fifth, which is really amazing. But I was never like um, a medal contender, so I cannot relate to the pressure that Simone or all of them have as that because it's in a whole different level that I feel like I don't even know in a way. But if we talk just about the Olympics, you train all your life for this. It's like the best thing ever. And then on the first, we have two program in um, in pair skating. So we do a short program and a long program. And on a day of a short program that we were a little tight, like nothing, we didn't make any major mistake, but everything was tight. But we end up in 10th place, I believe, after the short program. So it was a little sad on that day. Everyone was amazing, but we were just a few points off, which is nothing. But by the time we went to the long program, my confidence was down. And I don't know, it was just a bad skate. And then the pressure, the feeling of it, but when you get off the ice and you have to go through all those media, like there's lines and lines and lines and you cannot just go like hide. You have to go through all that. And then to know that my entire family watched, my friends, you know, my you, I just felt like I let, I let everyone down because you were representing your country and I didn't ski well. So that was very sad. So I'm sure I can even imagine the pressure she feels as an athlete saying she's going to win or she's going to do it again because she have done it so many times. She's an amazing athlete. And then to have going through that, like it's just, it's just mental and it's just difficult to deal with. I can't even imagine, like, I honestly can't even wrap my head around the, all the emotions that go with being at the Olympics, because there's probably such a high and such a joy and your heart's like racing and pounding that you're an Olympian. I, I should say Val has a, 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 the Olympic rings tattooed. I was very impressed. I loved it. But just like having such pride and joy in that moment. But then also, it's like probably a complete roller coaster. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we got to the game early and just to like being there, you have a smile like years to years. You're just so excited. You get to meet other athletes from different countries, from your country, different sports. It's so much different than going to a world championship. So it's like, it's like surreal. And then walking into the Olympic ceremony, they made us wait in like a stadium for like three hours because that's how they brought all the athletes. You know, it takes forever to bring everyone there. 
and we were competing on day one so we were competing the day right after the opening ceremony so we walk into the ceremony and you just it's like a party i don't even know how to explain you're walking on cloud it's the adrenaline of every athlete in the building and the crowd i know they don't have a crowd here like in tokyo it's not fun for that but just being there walking and The energy of every athlete, it's amazing. Our coach made sure we were on the first bus back to the village because, like I said, we competed the next day. I couldn't sleep that night. It was like, you know, you're like, it was the best ever. And then, like I said, unfortunately, I didn't compete well. And then the media were like, oh, the young Canadian beat you. What do you think about it? I'm like, well, I just didn't ski well. I don't know what to tell you. I, It's not like it's my fault I didn't do it that's why they beat me like it's okay but then all those comments stay in your head and you kind of go through that like oh what if I can't do it anymore what if this so it takes one person to trigger you or do this like it's very hard to stay in the zone and focus to not get affected by comments from people from media from all that so it's It's very just going to the full games like every day somebody win a medal. The energy is so amazing. It's being in the village. We were there a week early, but then the game were two weeks long. And then going to the closing ceremony is just an amazing experience that I will forever cherish and never forget. So I've always heard amazing things about the village. I even heard it's like cool and amazing to watch what other people eat for breakfast because the Michael Phelps of the world or whoever are like eating like insane, crazy breakfast. Is there anything like crazy or silly or that happened in the village that you like remember that is just like a funny moment or it doesn't even have to be a funny moment, but just something that people wouldn't expect to know that you're that you think back of? Well, like the village is like big. It's like, you know, you're all separated in like little kind of apartment by country. And then the cafeteria is basically like um, it was like a big uh, food cart. Like and the biggest one is McDonald's is right there. You can go order 10 cheeseburger and you don't have to pay like it's very weird. But as a like there is a bunch of food court like this, you just go get food and sit and eat like you said, and nobody cares. But As a figure skater, we don't eat that much. So it was weird to see McDonald's or, you know, so after we compete, we got to do all that. But you just like all through the village, there's just like a kind of, how you say that, the machine outside to get like Gatorade or get or like a Coke. And you just basically scan your little like pass and they just they just come down you never have to pay for that like there's there's like a gym there's a place to go like chill out like it's so fun so good but to say there was one thing I don't know you just see athletes cheering screaming you see some crying you see it all like it was everyday difference story this and that so it's like I tried to absorb the most of it and I tried to I also try to went to as many different sport events that I could go watch just to really like experience it all so it was it was like a lot of fun but to say there was one thing more probably not I think everything was just amazing okay so figure skating and like this is circling back around I mean obviously like you did intense training in multiple ways but you know I teach ballet, so I, I'm sure you would have been one of my favorite students, Val. I'm not joking. I'm sure I would have loved you. You were probably kicked me out. <laughs> I don't think I would have kicked you 
well because I feel like you would have always been making me laugh and smile because I feel like that's so your personality. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably what would have happened. But I feel like there's a lot of pressure on ballet dancers. And I'm sure, you know, Carrie is a professional aerialist um, and so and a professional dancer in LA. So I'm sure that she's definitely had this. Did you feel pressure your whole life to be a certain way or in a certain place? Absolutely. And like... You know, when you sign up for if you want to be a pro skater and it's part of the job, it's part of who you are, like they're lifting you above their head so you cannot like gain any weight or, you know, or you won't be successful. Some suffer more than others. Um, I was always like on the bubble, if you say like to be anorexic bulimic, I was right on the line, like, you know, like I feel like I was always in the in control, but was it crazy? Yes. Was it healthy? Probably not. Like, but the stuff you do just to achieve your goal and success. And so it's like ballet dancer, you know, it's all like you have to look a certain way. So it's kind of part of a sport. Unfortunately, there's better way now They do better stuff. And there's more and more athletes talking about it, which it helps. But at the end of the day, if you want to do a triple jumps or get lift in the air, you have to do your job at staying like fit, you know. Did you learn anything from your time that has shifted how you coach or how you train girls or because you were at such an elite level? um, And I'm not saying you don't coach girls that are on their way to be that, but do you take all of what you learned and how do you how do you embrace that and bring that into what you do every day now? Um, yeah, absolutely. I had a coach who was very hard, like nobody should be like that. So I would never do any of that. And I'm very aware there's a fine line here. Like right now I don't have as many competitors, but there was a time I had a lot of good girl. And when they tell me they want to make it to national or do that, well, I am okay. Well, this is what you need to do. But then they realize they don't really want to sacrifice or do all that. So it doesn't really always work. So, yes, I am demanding. I try to say, okay, you're skating recreational, which is fine. Then I'm like more fun. But the one who wants it, they have to, okay, that was great. But let's do it again. Let's fix this or that. So you have to repeat more. You have to do more. And that's where it can become really hard sometimes to, as like myself being an Olympian, I am driven, I'm a hard worker. So sometimes it's hard to see that they waste their talent or they don't have the drive that I had. So as a coach, it's very hard to gauge like, okay, Val, like keep it to yourself. They're, they don't want it, but it's, it's, it's difficult to not always tell them how I feel about it. But so definitely I feel like through the years to some you have to kind of change your coaching style like this generation. It's more okay to do more sport, different things and kind of just take it more easy and not driven as much towards one goal. Through the years, I have probably chill out a little bit and kind of come down and like realize who really wants it or not. Again, being around Jeff and the boys and whatever, like there is a certain perspective of elite and pro and what that means from a day-to-day basis, even even for like a 16 or 17 year old who's trying to go division one and be a goalie, you know, obviously because I have those conversations with Jeff, but yeah. it is such like discipline and training and giving up a lot and being all in. And I don't know that like it takes a special person to be able to 
do that and to drive all the time. And I do agree. I feel like this generation, sadly enough, is a little bit different that I don't know if they have, I don't even know what it is really, but that. I, I don't either. Yeah. It's the extra push. Like you said, so I, I've been coaching a lot of hockey players, especially this summer. I help a lot of the hockey player to get better at skating, which I am not a hockey person. They can be super amazing on the ice as a hockey player. See, when they come to me, I can know if they're playing triple A, double A, single A, house hockey. You can see the the dread that like the triple a kids are really driven they want it more they do more so it's just like they there is a reason why they're like elite in the hockey compared to the other one just showing up at my lesson so it's very like easy to see who's gonna want it or not so it's the same in figures so it's always gauging okay this one wants it i'm gonna teach a certain way compared to that one so and I and I love coaching anyone whoever wants right. to come and learn and just work hard and have a smile and just happy to be there. As a matter if they're just gonna never even compete or just do little competition in town or make it to the Olympics, I enjoy all those lessons as long as they really want to be there. I love that. Okay, so going back to the Olympics for a second. Did your finish and how you know the Olympics ended for you? Is that what pushed you um, to be done or was it just in general time for time for you? You had peaked and you were ready to be done. That was 2006 Olympic. Three weeks after the Olympic Games, we end up our best, best skate in our life, like best career. We end up fifth in the world. So that was super driven and excited. So the goal was to win a medal in 2010 at the it was in Vancouver Olympic in our home country. So that's when we went into 2006 Olympic, we're like, okay, we know we're not meddling this year, but let's get the experience under the belt. And then 2010, we're going for a medal. So that was the plan. So then 2006 after Worlds, we kind of broke up, which was fine. And then that summer I met Luke, my husband now that you know. So I met him this that summer and started doing the long distance relationship. So like I was still competing with my ex-boyfriend, which was really weird for Luke because like it's weird. I mean, we were in Japan and China together. Like I can I can imagine I can imagine that being a little tricky. We have a Grand Prix. It's called we have um there's a series of six Grand Prix every fall that like there's one in US, Canada, Russia, China, Japan. And then the other one used to be sometime in Germany or France, they alternate. So anyway, so there are six of them and you usually get assigned to two in the top six pair team of those those competition meet in the Grand Prix finals. So that was always a goal that I never got to achieve to go to the Grand Prix finals. And I was never like doing that great in those competition enough to be top six in the world to make it. That year, I made it. That was my goal. And then I, when I qualified for that, I realized I'm like, you know what? I achieve everything. My dream was to be a pair skater. My other dream was to go to the Olympic. I achieved both of those. My goal was maybe not even, I don't even think at one point it became the goal, but I don't even think I really wanted to be national champion. I just kind of, through the year, it kind of happened. So 
I realized it was my partner's dream or goal to win a medal in 2010. It was not my goal. I achieved everything I wanted and way beyond what I wanted to do. Around that year on December, I told my coach and my partner, I said, listen, I achieved everything. I am sorry to do this, but I'm going to finish the season, which is in March World Championship. And then I'm done. I'm not going to skate anymore because I don't have any more goal. Like I got more than I ever bargained for. Like I was super happy with my result so of course they're like yeah yeah Val like okay but they didn't believe me because I went to the rink every day and trained my butt off like I did every other day so they didn't really believe that I was gonna retire and then nationals show up and I show up at nationals and my big we at the arena on the outside there's a big sign to advertise national championship and it's our picture on it and everyone's telling us we're gonna win easy and I panic I'm like no, like it's okay if I don't win. Well, I end up not winning because I end up like kind of having a meltdown. Like I just, in the middle of my program, I didn't even want to be out there. It was weird. But anyways, I we lost first place by not very much point because I didn't skate well. I feel like I did it to kind of say, hey, I'm okay. I am going to retire and I'm okay. And that's when the coaches realized and then they made me go see a sports psychologist. They flew me to the best sports psychologist in the country to make sure I didn't like do the wrong decision. They really, the sports psychologist told me, no, you're ready to move on. So just assume it and tell them. And even my coach didn't want me to tell anyone. So I couldn't talk about it. It was very weird. And our world championship after we compete that year, we ended up being six. And I said, can I please say bye to a few people that I travel like, you know, some I made friends from Russia, Japan, like Chinese people are like, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to see those people ever again because I'm done. Can I just go say bye? Like tell them that that is it. I'm not competing. He said, okay, you can. So I got to say bye. I got to finish my career on my own term. I will always remember my last competition was world championship in tokyo in japan mike as they announced me i took the time to absorb like from canada valerie marcou and craig button and i took the time to absorb all the canadian flag people cheering the sign that people make i looked up and i it was really 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 hard to compete because i teared my eyes entire program because i knew this was it no matter what i do in my life i will never feel that kind of adrenaline because it's very excited to compete in there. I think there was probably 15,000 people or 12,000 people. I don't remember how big that arena is because every competition is different. And all the TV camera watching you, following everything you do before you get on, like, you know, and the judges. And then when I bow at the end, I would have tears in my eyes. I was crying, you know. I finished on my own term. I knew this was it. So it was very difficult, but I'm very blessed for this because a lot of athletes got to retire because they got hurt or something happened. So for me, I, it was on my own term. So I'm very lucky for that. I just got teary-eyed and I was trying to decide how big of a nerd I am. <laughs> but I feel like I just, yeah. I did. <laughs> but I feel like yeah. how amazing like to have that moment um, and to be able to skate in that moment and like know that that was it. Look, I'm crying. Never cried on, I never cried on the podcast before. You know, it was a long and fun journey, but hard also and. And also, I thought I was totally ready for being just Val, like Val, not Val the skater, just Val. And, you know, you you probably heard many athletes that tell you that 
it's very difficult to move on. And I tell everyone, I tell my teenager, I go, doesn't matter if you're 12, 15, 20, 30, that you made it to the Olympics or you were just skating here for fun when you decide to move on out of that sport. And you guys might relate to because you guys all did sport, but it's it's very difficult. As much as I thought I was ready, as much as I wasn't, it was super weird to wake up one day and say, now what? Nobody's telling me where to be, what to do, what to eat, what I can or cannot do. It was like very, very difficult. And now there's more and more psychologists helping those athletes. And I wish I would have the chance to do that because it was difficult. And then I also... I applied for my green card to move here and I was stuck in Canada for a year. So it's like just learning to live again. And what do I want to do? Like when I watched 2010 Olympic, was I okay? No, but I, you know, you have to face and I watched and I choose to, to believe that I would not win a medal, but there was a good chance I would. So I just, you know, you move on with your life and you don't regret anything, which I don't. It's just very difficult. I think it took me three, four years probably to really be okay after I retired. And I never talk about it at the time. And I probably should have. Part of the reason um, that you decided to be done was because you wanted to have a relationship and a normal life. And then you apply for a green card and you're stuck in Canada, but you're not skating anymore. Like I can't imagine all of that, all of those feelings and being away when having a relationship is part of the reason and you know going to a normal life is part of the reason that you were ready to be done it was one of those but I guess I yeah and again I I moved back to my parents house also because I thought I'll be here three weeks a lot of three weeks end up a year and I love my parents but when you're used to live on your own and you're 27 years old it's not the most fun time (laughs) and I'm very very close to my parents so so is there any last minute anything inspiration something that you feel like you learned from being an olympian and that whole path that you could feel like just in general would teach people in general for inspirational i just am a big believer that put your mind to it and go for it and never look back i'm really think it's a great thing i tell my kids every day well whatever you dream or want to do just go for it because i really believe if you ask People, when I was a teenager, hey, is Val going to be an Olympian? They probably would have told you no. I don't know. I don't think I was that much different or better. It's just I kept going. I kept pushing when it was hard. So I really believe if you want something bad enough, you can get it. And that goes for everything in life, sports, school, like jobs or anything. So you said that is obviously for sure a life lesson is you can't regret and and if we lived our lives regretting a decision we made or why we did a certain thing, um, we would probably all be miserable and depressed all the time. And so, I mean, everything happens for a reason and you got to this place for a reason. I think that's another thing just from your story, like no regrets. And the fact, I think you're t- completely right. Like the fact that you got to walk away on your own terms and have that moment and have that last skate in the way that you did, it might have not happened that way if you hadn't have had ended on your own terms. So yeah, I'm very, like I said, I'm very blessed. I had a great career. I Sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, I could have done maybe better. But again, it's I didn't want it to as much as others that beat me or something. I always say, well, I was never crazy enough. That's why <laughs> I always joke about it that 
They just work harder. They just did more because it's really true. Those, those athletes you see this week that win goals, it's like amazing. Like what they went through, they all have every athlete ever. And that's what makes the Olympics so amazing to watch and special. And I'm enjoying it. And I cannot wait after my son's soccer practice tonight to go home and watch the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Listen, you are a, a, like the sweetest, cutest I, I want to tell our audience, like, she's this tiny little bundle of energy and, like, the life of the party always. And every time I've ever seen her, just, like, such a huge smile. Um, so I, I love that you took time to um, join us. For sure. Thank you for having me. That was fun. Thank you so much to Valerie for joining us today. If you go to the show notes, you can join our list to get any breaking news we'll have. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. And if you would honor us with five stars or a review anywhere you find your podcasts, it really helps other people find us better. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This is Greener Grass, a podcast. Mm-hmm.